They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! Welcome to Feed vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where your host, Feed the Terrible Aussie Jemine, explores the remakes, re-edits, reimaginings, homages, and unofficial follow-ups to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes Morgues and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. This podcast contains coarse language, mature discussions, and plot spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. G'day everyone, this is B. Jemide, aka The Terrible Aussie, and welcome back to episode 14 of Bean vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where I dissect where I dissect every remake reimagining homage spoof unofficial follow-up and so much more to george a romero's classic 1968 horror film night of the living dead so yep we're now at episode 14 itching a little closer to episode 15 so i can't believe i'm already 15 episodes into this show because who would have thought there would have been this many remakes and re-edits and whatnot of night of the living dead but there has been and there's still quite a lot to uh explore for the rest of the year so i'm very excited to talk about those but however though we got a very interesting one to talk about tonight, and I got two very special guests who are joining me for this one, and it's an all-Aussie edition, the second episode in a row, that is. Um, <laughs> and uh, first up, of course, is someone who's making her return after appearing on episode two of the show, and that, of course, is my bestie and my co-host on all the many podcasts over on the Super Network, and as well as the host of her own podcast, after dark and that of course is super marcy hello marcy how are you hello hello uh good to be back good to be here have enjoyed listening to the show and i currently feel like a zombie because i've not had much sleep the past few days and i've been so busy but i'm still here to talk about zombies indeed indeed and it, it sucks that you haven't had much sleep over the last uh few days although i think given the subject matter we're going to be talking about tonight i feel like it is very appropriate <laughs> we're gonna, well maybe just a tad just a tad given that it's uh about zombies but uh mm. but marcy we're not alone on this podcast no. we have another very special guest who is joining us and he's making his debut on the show and he is also the co-host of the awesome podcast dummies of horror and i have to make sure to say that because i know you got the show has had a name change since we've last <laughs> since uh, we last had it on any podcast, and that, of course, is Tim Davis. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you so much for welcoming me on. Long-time listener, first-time guest, and I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited that you're here too, Tim, because... I I, I, so I knew when I started the show, I needed to get you on the show at some point. And I think you've picked a really interesting take on Night of the Living Dead for this episode. Because um, <laughs> I gave you the list a while back and I sort of asked you, oh, which one of these episodes would you be interested to chat about? And you're like, oh, maybe this one. And I'm like, all right, I'll put your name down for this one. And uh, we'll see how this episode <laughs> turns out. But, um, but I'm glad it 
that you're here, though, Tim. And uh, how have things been going over at uh, Dummies of Horror? Um, thank you very much. Uh, things have been going good. We've uh, we've kind of changed our format, so we're not really reviewing movies anymore because we kind of realise that we're not very good at it. So no. we're more just <laughs> we're more just having fun with it. So our new thing now is kind of doing a versus type theme. So we, for example, our latest episode was which is the best werewolf film, and we have five different questions, and we kind of fight it out and and see by the end through a point system which is the best so it's it's become a lot more fun but at the same time it's a lot more work put towards yep. the show but mm. i'm having a lot more fun with it so so yeah things have been good over in dummies of dummies of horror land so yeah well i'm glad to hear that and uh i'm, I'm just saying if you need guests to come on you know nudge nudge week week to uh both party <laughs> night just saying yeah. well yeah <laughs> i mean it makes it so much easier that you guys are in the same country there's no time or anything we have to deal with so exactly exactly we're all in the same time zone so it makes it easier to uh record anything for any of our shows Mm. so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) which makes it easier but uh now marcy i've already asked you this question all the way back on episode one so i'm going to ask tim this question since you are my first time guest on this show and that of course is the question i ask every new guest who comes on beat versus the living dead and that is Tim, do you remember the first time you saw the original 1968 version of Night of the Living Dead? Um, I do, and I was kind of dreading this question because I feel like I should just give you my horror card right now because <laughs> oh. the first time I watched this classic film was 2016. Oh. I was so yeah, I was so late to it, and the reason being is because oh man, people are gonna hate me after I say this. I watched. Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, and I wasn't that much of a fan of it. And with Night of the Living Dead being older and being black and white, my my childlike mind just assumed it would be bad. And it wasn't until I started doing the podcast and and reviewing movies that I realized if you are going to be a horror fan, you have to watch these classic movies. So I, I eventually did. I put it in and... I, I was not in the mood to watch it. And coming out of it, I was like, I'm an idiot. Why did it take me so long to watch that movie? Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's a classic for a reason. It's fantastic from start to finish. Like, And I still I, I still am not a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead, mm. uh, but Night of the Living Dead is easily one of the best zombie movies ever. Indeed, indeed. And also, I mean, it is the very first one that kind of started it all essentially yeah. since i've already kind of talked about that a lot on the show but however though you're not the first person tim to have who has told me on the show that who has seen dawn of the dead even before night of the living dead so you definitely have some company out there of previous <laughs> guests on the show i'm glad to hear that i'm sure i'm the first that said i'm not that big of a fan of it but <laughs> don't worry we, we don't worry we won't be harsh on you on this episode so. <laughs> as a first for everything yeah. Well, that is true. I mean, look, I, I can, I can, I can appreciate it, but I mean, for the the three trilo- the three main films in the in the franchise, I'll, I'll say trilogy because I don't count Land and Diary. It's my least favorite. My favorite is Day of the Dead, and then yep. comes Night of the Living Dead. So, well, Day of the Dead is a good one, and I will be um, tackling that film at some point for this show. So. <laughs> 
But I guess we could get straight to the topic at mm. hand tonight, which, of course, is we have another remake of Night of the Living Dead. Of course, this is another independently made one. Mm. And that, of course, is the 2020 film Rebirth. We simply don't know enough about the specifics at this time. Remember when Dad used to drag us out to Evans City to go visit Grandpa's no, stone? No, no, no. It seems to be spread mainly via bodily fluids such as blood or saliva. You act like you're so scared of this place. Stop it. You're coming to get What the hell's going on up there, Harry? Everything's fine. All those things got inside. Look, here comes one of them now. Already infected on the primary disease factor. Hey, we found this place long before your sorry ass got here. which was written and directed by Roger Connors, which, of course, is based on the original 1968 film Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero and John A. Russo. And this one stars Aswan De- Harris, and if I butchered your first name, please forgive me, uh, Roger Connors, Alvin Hudson, Rachel Anderson, Bradley Michael Amer, Taylor Nems, Tim Strang, Haley Motts, and RJ Messenger. And the plot summary for this one, which I am reading off IMDb, is what begins as an annual visit to their family gravesite quickly becomes a night of sheer terror as two brothers are unexpectedly forced to fight back against a sudden onslaught of violent assailants. Now, I think what makes the start off with what makes this remake of Night of the Living Dead, uh, which, of course, we know is Rebirth, different from other previous ones that we have I have covered on this show uh, in the past is how the character of Barbara in this version is not in it. Instead, uh, writer and director and star Roger Connors decided to gender swap the character and make Barbara a man, uh, renamed the character as Adam and actually made the character gay in this version. So that's definitely one of the big main changes for this take on the story. But of course, there's other little changes and all that here and there as well as we go on. But, uh, Marcy, what are your initial thoughts on Rebirth? Oh, picking on me straight off the bat. Here we go. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, so I went into this just knowing um, it was a remake for Night of the Living Dead, so I wasn't really sure what to expect for any of it, uh, to be honest. Um, I guess I just assumed, like, it would be low budget, as a lot of them have been. So I was maybe expecting that. But uh, I have to say, the film uh, surprised me with a, a small budget and also finding out that this film was shot over the period or made over the period of about four years. I Honestly, I couldn't tell that they had all that time. Uh, it kind of flows and looks very consistent throughout. It's shot really well. Uh, there, there are a lot of fantastic just sort of longer shots and um, 
stuff like that. And I think it's it's not too dark of a film, so you can see what's going on, which, you know, for something that takes place at night, for a lot of it, I appreciate that. I thought the performances for the most part were pretty good. And I'd say it was a very solid remake or reimagining, however you want to say it, of the original film and kind of updating a few bits and pieces that sort of have more or at least relevancy for um, in the time in which it was made. So like having uh, Barbara be, you know, the character of a man and gay and kind of adding in some of that stuff as well as um, the rate the racial stuff that was still there in the original but kind of you know swapping things around and doing things a little bit differently to kind of make it its own thing. And uh, Tim what are your thoughts on Rebirth your initial thoughts? Um, okay so I didn't realize that this movie was made over the course of four years which um, I'll agree with Marcy that's actually impressive because, yeah, it doesn't look like it was – it took that long to make. The uh, the scenes kind of seem to add up. I I don't want to be negative with this movie because I know it's a low-budget film and with only a $12,000 budget, it does some things right. But in yep. saying that, there were a few parts a – few, a few elements to this film that kind of bothered me, kind of annoyed me, and – the main one being the character of Adam. It's it's in no way because this character was gay or because, because the character was changed from Barbara to Adam or anything like that. I just feel that maybe it's because this character, Adam, was played by the director who was also the writer. Maybe he had too much on his plate and just his performance was a bit lackluster. On top of that, it's kind of like the film... It's kind of like the, the halfway through the film, they realised that maybe the character of Adam was too much and they took away all of these scenes because halfway through the movie, he was barely in it. And if he was, he had no speaking lines or anything like that. Mm. Um, so my biggest problem with this movie is the character of Adam. I just felt he was just too flamboyant. In saying that, there were elements of this film that I did like. For example, the glowing eyes of the ghouls mm. or the zombies. Mm. I thought at first when that happened, I was like, that's weird. But then it, I kind of came around digging it mm. and found it creative and, and somewhat creepy. And I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching here, but maybe that was a little nod to the movie Demons. I could definitely say that. When their eyes are glowing. So I, I don't know, maybe I'm stretching here, but that's what I took from it. Overall, it's it has its positives, but... If I was ever going to rewatch it again, I'd just go revisit the original Night of the uh, Night of the Living Dead. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, I guess for me, I'm definitely kind of more on uh, Marcy's side when it comes to this film. I actually did dig the movie overall. I mean, it definitely has its flaws because being that it's a mm. lower budget independent production, so there's definitely some flaws within it. But overall, I still found it a pretty effective remake in regards to some of the changes they've made to the story, uh, as well as the elements that they added to it. Also kind of making the character, well, changing Barbara to a to the character of Adam in this version, uh, actually does add a lot more to it. Being that he is a gay character, not only is this film kind of dive into sort of the 
the racial aspects of what the original film did, but it also dives into the homophobic aspects that the character of Adam kind of deals with from Mm. the character of Harold, a.k.a. Harry, in this version as well. So I think that element I found quite compelling. And some of the acting, of course, from the cast, like some of it is really good and others were kind of a little bit shaky. But overall, I think it's still a pretty pretty solid and effective little film that has, you know, it definitely has some pretty effective scenes and also like what it does to kind of update the story to to make it relevant for today's audiences, I think actually kind of works. Like there's definitely a lot of aspects of it that almost are pretty much almost line for line from the original film and having watched the original a lot since uh starting <laughs> the show like i could say oh yeah this is basically you know line for line mm. or scene for scene but they definitely uh roger Connors, i think um does add a lot to the film that at least for me i guess uh makes it a, still a pretty effective film on its own but that being said we'll uh we'll go straight into the plot summary of this film from beginning to end mm-hmm. and sort of dive into <clears throat> what we thought worked what didn't work and as well as what changes were made for this this remake so pretty much essentially the film kind of does start off pretty much the same as every other iteration of night of the living dead with the characters of adam and his brother johnny going to the cemetery and i like the look of johnny in this in this version because the the actor who plays him rj messenger just has like tattoos and everything all over his face and i thought that was kind of a very distinct look for the character and I well, thought that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean Johnny Johnny got a makeover with a hell of a lot of tattoos exactly exactly <laughs> and uh and also I think in this version compared to you know other versions of Johnny like you could at least kind of get the sense that Johnny does care about Adam in this story and he's trying to reach him because the character of Adam is kind of like he's definitely anxious and a bit angry about something as soon as they're at the cemetery but we never kind of really dive into Mm. that at least a lot to explain why he's kind of uh, acting the way Mm. he is especially towards johnny like we can definitely have our assumptions and all that so they basically go there drop the flowers off to i believe it's their father's grave in this version because it keeps changing from film to film and uh they also and they sort of have a bit of a chat and then of course uh johnny does the classic they're coming to get you but instead of saying the whole line he says i'm coming to get you and then uh adam just pretty much stops in mid-sentence like barbara we have to go find uh grandma's grave. yeah <laughs> i did like that that was cool <laughs> which i thought was a funny like uh sort of redoing mm. of that line and uh <laughs> it's a good little homage to have the line in there but kind of just have uh you know the grandma being called barbara so they could get the name in yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and um and of course they get into a little bit of an argument and johnny kind of teases adam about it and then adam kind of tells him oh, just johnny just grow up will you and stuff like that and so he walks off then uh adam stumbles across uh the cemetery zombie but there's actually a couple of cemetery zombies mm. in this version instead of the one so he gets attacked and then johnny comes in tries to save him adam makes a run for it and then of course johnny gets killed by the zombies and then from there kind of again it's kind of sticks pretty close to the original story in the sense that adam gets to the car he tries to start it but the keys are not there because they are johnny still has the keys so he makes a run for it 
And then eventually he stumbles across the farmhouse that we all know and love. But interesting enough, he goes inside, looks around, then he hears a scream coming up from upstairs. So he grabs a weapon, he goes upstairs and discovers that a woman is being attacked by a zombie. But then he falls back down the stairs, is freaked out, and then he runs out of the farmhouse. And I thought, okay, so... We're not even going to be at the farmhouse for a little bit of this scene. So it's going into a yeah. completely uh, like, okay, this is a different kind of um, mm. sort of new take. And then, of course, he runs to a gas station, finds a truck, and that's where he meets the character of Ben. Now, this pretty much is our first act of the film. Mm. And and I kind of have to wonder, uh, Basti, what did you think at least of this first act of of the film so far yeah I thought it was pretty solid I think like we kind of get the idea that Johnny and Adam obviously have issues and there's some unresolved things there so there's a little bit of that tension and stuff but we it's not really explained because as we know Johnny pretty much gets attacked by the zombies very early on in the story so I guess they were maybe trying to set up I guess maybe Adam's mindset and stuff and um, the trauma that Adam goes through seeing like the zombies and uh, Johnny getting attacked but then also running into a farmhouse seeing someone getting attacked by a zombie and running out because through a lot of the film Adam doesn't talk much um, it mirrors that of Barbara who sort of shuts down with all the trauma so I think they were maybe trying to establish just how traumatic it was for Adam and that Adam doesn't speak a lot I feel like that's kind of maybe what that was going for and yeah so it kind of adds that little scene in I think just for a bit more context on Adam until uh, Adam and Ben cross paths. Hey what the hell you doing in here? Trying to steal my truck man? Huh? No. Trying to steal my truck? Huh? Trying to steal my truck man? No. No. Trying to steal Fuck. Fucking kid. Where are you from, man? Where are you from? Kid. You're not from around here, are you? Fuck. Fucking love. Fucking piece of shit truck. I gotta grab this counselor and get some gas. If you stick with me, I get you where you're trying to go. Is that okay? Can, can I count on you? Well, look, these damn things is all over the place, so come on. Indeed, and uh, what did you think of this first half, first half uh, Tim? So going into this movie, I, I was kind of the same with Marcy and that I thought it was going to be a very low budget, um, poorly made film. And my first thought was, OK, let's let's wait and see what the zombies mm. look like. And when we first see the zombies, I, I thought they actually looked pretty decent. Mm. So already I was like, OK, the movie's got me so far. I like the Barbara line, which I which we said before was funny. Mm. Um, and exactly the same with you, Bede. 
when he runs away from the farmhouse first, I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, are they going – are they taking this in a whole new world? Is this going to be more of an open world movie, which I thought would have been really cool. And I noticed there's – correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen the original Night of the Living Dead for a while, but were there more zombies out in the fields in this one than there were in the original? Well, essentially, um, it starts when the character in the original film, uh, Barbara, gets to the house. It's only just the one zombie, but as she's there and nightfall comes, that's when more of the zombies mm. start to okay. come to the house. But in this okay. version, it's uh, kind of established as um, Adam is running away from what happened at the cemetery. He does stumble across other zombies. And like you guys have already stated before, like the ver- the zombies in this version, their eyes glow every now Mm. and again which i thought was actually a pretty at first i was kind of puzzled like about this creative Mm. choice but then as the film kind of progressed along i thought okay this is actually a cool thing that kind of makes the zombies in this version it's um yeah it's definitely yeah they stand out and it's different because it's not something we generally see and they're still like these zombies are still generally like that slow moving zombie Um, Mm. but i think that with the glowing eyes like it at parts they glow, at other parts they don't glow. Um, and I think that's almost like kind of helps with a bit of the tension when the zombies are around. It's almost like when their eyes glow is when they have, like, you're at their attention now, so you need to yeah. be careful. So I like that. That That's the way I took it as well. Mm. Mm. And uh, once uh, Adam meets Ben, and I think – Aswan Harris, and again, if I butchered your first name, please forgive me. Um, <laughs> uh, once they sort of, it's it's kind of interesting with their both Adam and Ben's relationship in this version. Like, I think it's actually like the the bond that they developed during the course of the film. I did find quite compelling. However, mm. though, the only thing I sort of had, I was kind of a bit uh about not, or just kind of like was confused by because throughout the entire film, Ben keeps um keeps referring to the character of adam as kid and um and i'm like but but ben he's basically the same age as you why are you calling him kid (laughs) yeah i one one like small issue i have is that it feels like ben treats adam more like a child than an adult through most of the Mm. film which i found a little confusing i mean it could be just that ben perhaps understands that uh, Adam is quite traumatised and, you know, that could just be maybe I just keep it simple for this person because, you know, trauma can do whatever to people might be hard for them to understand. But it did feel a bit out of place at first. And I I don't want to be negative about people's performances either. Uh, I felt that, like, Ben's acting, the actor who played Ben, I felt at first the performance was a little off, but I felt like it improved as the film progressed and things got a bit grittier. Mm, I could definitely agree with that. And uh, so Ben tells uh, Adam that the truck's not working, it's out of petrol, so they decide to go into the garage and try to find the key to the gas pump. And so they go in there. Adam keeps a lookout. Ben goes into the office to look for the key and finds the shotgun when he's in there. So Adam has a bit of an explore around the garage and then he stumbles across a zombie, which is missing their arm. But I will say this though, and I agree with you on this, Tim, is that I think Mm. the zombie makeup in this film is actually quite good. Oh, definitely. 
definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, like definitely some aspects you could say, oh yeah, it's obviously like a bit of eyeshadow mm. and stuff like that. But with the actual kind of gore that the film does mm. have, it actually does it really well. And particularly with certain makeup effects on some of the zombies are actually quite good. And I was very impressed yeah. by yeah, they, they look generally really good. And I think, like, the gore and stuff was used at just the right amount with some with some sections sort of cutting the scene so you don't quite see everything. And I think that works in its favour in being effective because we've already seen bits and pieces that, you know, we can make up the rest in our mind. But I, I will add, um, I applaud this movie for the use of a lot of naked male zombies. Oh, I was going to say, there is Lots a lot of, dick of that. dick in this movie. <laughs> there is a lot of dick in this movie. And I guess yeah. in a way, it's kind of like a reference to since the original film had a nude female zombie. Mm. So I guess it's almost like, why don't we just put more n- male naked zombies in More movies movie. should show dick. Let's just, set, let's just be real. <laughs> oh, I agree. I think it's the best <laughs> zombie dick we've gotten on screen since uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's quite a bit, quite a bit of that. Hashtag zombie dick. <laughs> Hashtag zombie dick. And uh, so what's the the so Adam make runs out from where the zombies are, and then of course the zombies start the storm the garage. Uh, ben and Adam try to fight them back, and at one point uh, Ben manages to blow the head off of one, and it was actually a pretty good effect. Like there's definitely some obvious like uh computer effects in this film but it's actually done pretty well in the sense that it like the head explosions actually look pretty solid so i give Hmm. them credit for that and also like so they make a run for back to the farmhouse uh they get there they sort of have another look around the house ben discovers the zombie version of the owner of the house upstairs and he kills him and then of course the woman who we saw earlier who was attacked by that zombie She's now become a zombie, and she goes after Adam. So Adam tries to fight her off and then manages to kill her with a crowbar. And also there's, like, a really cool little moment, like, even before this happens, Adam accidentally knocks a massive old-fashioned-looking record player. (laughs) And it's like one of those ones that you see, well, not exactly similar, but one of those kind of ones you see at restaurants or cafes where it has multiple kind of discs and all that, or vitals, I should say, in this one. So, um, yeah. So he kills... If you were uh, to, yes, go ahead. Sorry, if, if you were to slap it, it would just start playing by itself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, so Adam kills the zombie. So they decide since when Ben, after looking out the window, seeing that there's more zombies outside, they decide to basically like uh, turn off all the lights, put the shades down so they could have the impression that there's nobody living in the house so the zombies won't come here. And then eventually Adam hears voices come from the air vent. Then, of course, uh, Ben finds the TV. Adam finds the radio. And then all of a sudden, that's when the characters of Harry and Tom pop out. And also all the pretty much all the characters that we know from the original film are here. So the ones who are down in the basement, like Harry, Helen, Tom and Judy and Karen are all down there. But there's also a new character who's been added to the mix, which is an older man by the name of George. And I'm going to make the sort of assumption that the character of George is obviously was named after George A. Romero, the man who co-wrote and directed could, the original. Yeah, could be a little uh, nod there. 
pretty much right off the bat off the bat of this version of the film we get to know the this ver film's version of harry and he is a even more of an asshole in this version compared to other <laughs> oh, takes this, we've seen of the character. Like, I thought from the 1990 remake, um, I forgot who played him again. Um, uh, Tom Towles. Tom, Tom Towles, that's it. I thought he was, like, the biggest dickhead. Like, I, you know, I've seen that movie a few times and I'm always there just fuming because he's so, such an awful person the character not the actor um and this one's version was like hold my beer i'm like dude you need yeah. a slap in the face like fucking yesterday indeed indeed and what did you think of uh the the character well the new characters but also uh particularly the character of Har harry or in this version he's known as reverend harold cooper he <laughs> he's not really a great reverend <laughs> No. <laughs> Although that's the thing, though, I, I didn't even realize he was a reverend until I saw the credits. Like he, he yeah, definitely is portrayed as as a like a fundamentalist, extreme Christian character. Mm. But I didn't even realize that he was a reverend until it actually said so in in the credits. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. I like the fact that with this character, because it's very obviously like uh, Roger Connors, the writer and director of the film, wanted to add a character like this to kind of, again, to be reflective of the times we live in, but also kind of not only make the character of uh, Harry in this version just racist, but he's also incredibly homophobic, especially particularly towards Adam. And also he's very misogynist as well in how regards how he treats his wife, Helen. And so he's just like even more of an irredeemable character. But I think the actor who plays him, Alvin Hudson, actually does a really good job mm at playing this such a very despicable character. Yeah, for, for I a agree. despicable yeah, for a despicable character, it's a very good performance. The character kind of reminds me of like a, a, an idiot like blue check dickhead on Twitter who just sits there all day going, <laughs> You're ruining society with your rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's so correct. <laughs> I, I will say that the only the only downfall for me with this character was he played it so well to the point that you absolutely hated him that I feel the payoff with his character was just a little lackluster. I, I wanted to mm. see I wanted to see him get it bad. Mm. And you didn't really, and that was the Biggest downfall for me. I feel like I feel like it's real life where the most despicable people, if they're going to die, they're going to die at like 101 years old, on their death, you know, on their deathbed, not in some horrendous way like they deserve. Oh yeah, oh so, for sure, for sure. That disappointment definitely rings true. And also, <laughs> he's uh, variously, obviously, a lot older than his wife uh, Helen, played by Rachel Anderson, and. As great as Alvin Hudson is in this film, I actually think that Rachel Anderson as Helen was actually gave the best performance in the film. Cause mm, I agree. They actually, because they he they add a lot more to this character. Like she's definitely much more involved in the story, and she definitely kind of suffers a lot under the thumb of Harry mm. in this version. But also, there's a lot of turmoil that happens with this character because there's a very effective scene in this film. Like, once they sort of turn on the TV and sort of find out more about what's going on, there's a scene, like, where she's by herself and she's watching this uh, scientist talking about uh, the disease and, like, where, how mm. this disease is spread. And when she hears that the, it's spread through zombie bi bites and knowing that her daughter, Karen, has been 
bitten. She has a, a breakdown scene that I found very effective and quite like emotional. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I thought she was, uh, I think she gave maybe my favorite performance in the film. Yeah, no, I, I third that. I think, I think that as well. And um, so basically we're introduced to all these characters and of course they try to figure out exactly what to do. Again, like I said, they watch the news report and find out a bit more about like what is going on and what they can do. And so, and also there's a, a scene in the movie that kind of show off the how despicable Harry is. Like Harry goes and sits down with Adam and basically he kind of goes into, kind of uses his religious faith for the for very wrong reasons by basically just saying that because of everything that's happening, it's because of people like Adam and people like Ben. So basically, again, it kind of does fall back on Harry in previous literations is that Harry thinks he's right about everything and that everyone else is wrong about everything. But having more of these shades of him not just being racist, but also being homophobic, misogynist and all that, it really just adds more to how despicable of a character he is in this version and how much of an asshole <laughs> he completely is. But um, so basically, so they figure out a plan and so they decide to go back and get more gas at the gas station because they find out that the car- that Tom's girlfriend, Judy, does have the key because she works at the gas station. So they go back and form a plan. So Tom goes to get, grabs the canisters. He goes off to go get the gas. And so they can load that up. Ben and George look out for the zombies and try to distract them. Adam, Helen, Judy, and Harry are still back at the house, keeping watch and everything. Tom gets gets the gas. He goes back to the truck. George puts the gas into the truck and then... Tom tries to start it, but it's not working at all. And then they realize it's not that the truck is run out of gas. It's because the battery is dead. So, and that's Mm. when the zombies descend upon them and eat poor George and Tom in this version. So this is basically like so far the middle section of the Mm. story. But uh, Tim, so far of this film, like what do you think of the, at least the second act of this uh, film so far? Um, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I think at this point I was starting to not appreciate the character of Adam, but mm. the other characters, especially with, with, um, with Helen and, and Harry, I could really get behind. And then when you get the part where they're going to get the gas and everything like that, I thought that was decent. I thought that was pretty good. I, I didn't understand why the character of Tom dropped the torch. Yeah. That was the one part yeah. that I was like, and I, and look, I, I get it. I'm always, I always said in, in horror films, like you're you're not thinking straight. So mm-hmm. maybe it was just a mistake. So I can forgive that. But at the same same time, it was kind of like a a nitpick for me mm. when someone drops yep. the weapons when the threat is near. Yeah. But so far, so far, have we have we skipped over the part where Helen is is talking to Adam like he's a child, going, "Hey, buddy, you okay?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's scene. I I think I kind of um sort of I, I kind of agree with you in regards to this, Marcy. I I could excuse kind of like how they sort of do talk to Adam in this film because he has gone through a lot and he is deeply traumatized. Like it could be argued whether the sort of how uh, Roger Connor's kind of how he portrays that sort of traumatic aspects 
of the character. Like we can definitely sort of um, debate whether it was effective or not, or at least if it came across well. But I think for the most part, I think Roger Connors does still a pretty solid job regardless. But I could also see like why Helen would talk to (laughs) Adam that way because of that, because of how traumatized he is. But again, that's another thing that kind of makes the stark contrast. And I kind of agree with you, Tim, that Helen and Harry, at least in this version of the film, are definitely much are very much compelling characters. Like he's despicable. She at least is far more compassionate mm. and wants to help out. So the, having these two characters kind of go up against each other is a kind of a great back and forth because there's they just their scenes together are actually definitely one of the highlights for me because yeah. both actors are giving 110 percent in yeah. these scenes. Yeah, definitely. It it for me it is a bit confusing as to like why is everyone talking to Adam like Adam is a child? Um yeah. again, it, it you know, you could kind of explain that as people just not equipped or don't really understand how to deal with somebody who clearly is very traumatized. Um because you know, in that situation people are going to act in all sorts of different ways. But yeah, I think what is more compelling is probably those two characters. Um, and I, I think sort of when they go out to try and get the gas and there's the zombies and they lose a few members, like I think that really, you know, amps up a lot of things as well. As I mentioned, we get uh, zombie dick, but we also get zombie <laughs> asshole and balls at one point here. I think. <laughs> yes. I have, to, I have to quickly add note, um, my nine-year-old daughter walked in at that exact time. Oh, no. I tried to fast forward. I tried to fast forward. Instead, I pressed the pause button. No. Oh, no. Exact screen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Parenting <laughs> fails 101. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is both the most, like, uh, horrifying and hilarious thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes. She's um, mature yes, enough. Yeah, she's mature enough. But, yeah, you're, I agree. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of that, Marcy. Not only do we get zombie dick, but we also uh, see what zombies had for lunch, like, the week before as yes, well. We <laughs> I never thought I would see that uh, in a film like this, but, you know, here we are. Um... <laughs> Hashtag zombie awesome balls. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> and uh, so, actually, based on what I was reading on my notes, it's a, it says in my notes that it's actually George that dropped the uh, the torch in uh, the scene. Don't ask me top. why. I thought you were going to say Sorry. drop the soap. <laughs> <laughs> it must be that zombie awesome balls that's got my head confused. It, 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 it distracted you way too much, Marzi. It did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so basically the zombies are turned on tom and george they start eating them uh judy goes out to try to help but the car explodes and then of course uh judy uh gets overwhelmed by the zombies and she gets killed as well and of course we get to see a lot of blood and guts in this scene mm. as well harry blames adam for everything and and helen tells him that he's more evil than any of those creatures that are out yeah, there. And then it's it goes, like, it's yes, sorry to interrupt. It's like, I think on the TV, because they've got like end of the world type scenario people, Bible thumpers yeah. on the TV in the background, 
being yeah. like, oh, it's because we have sinned as humans and everybody who's not a Christian white person is responsible for all this, blah, blah, blah. So he's just very quickly brainwashed into being like, Adam and everyone else, it's your fault. Ruh, ruh, ruh. And it's like, yeah, that 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 lines up with my description of him earlier. <laughs> I think to be fair though, to be fair, uh, I think it, that character was already like that even before he just needs <laughs> the TV. Say it, I think. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think he's just using this as an excuse more than anything to justify why he hates mm. Ben, Adam, and even Helen uh, during this last half of the story. And again, he he just wants to be the one who's right all the time. And that's Harry to a T. Like, everyone else is wrong. I'm right. And it is a little disappointing that his comeuppance isn't as grand as we, we would like it to be. But, um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> Adam lets Ben inside. So they decide to basically get a bunch of try to look for some lighters to start up some torches because the zombies are afraid of fire. And before uh, anyone says, this is something that was also in the original film as well, that the zombies are actually afraid of fire. Adam and Helen go off and start up a blaze. And then they decide to finally board up the doors and windows, which has taken them a little while to kind of get around to this idea, but I'll forgive the film for that. And then... um. Harry goes into one of his spiels as the zombies start to descend upon the house, saying that, you know, Ben, Adam, and Helen, uh, everything that is happening is because of them, because they're sinners and whatnot. Ben with the hammer and tr- takes his shotgun, but luckily Adam hits Harry back with the same hammer, and then Helen gets the shotgun and shoots him in the stomach. And you're like, "Good, Helen, awesome." Um, <laughs> and then of course, um, Helen has another has a breakdown and a pretty effective one. Like that's why I mean, like Rachel Anderson does such a great mm. job with this uh, with her performance here. So the zombies crash into the house. Adam gets grabbed near the front door. Ben tries to fight them off. The zombies swarm on Helen. Uh, she heads to the the cellar, but she trips, falls down the stairs, and breaks her leg. 
her and Harry's daughter Karen has now become a zombie, as you know, as we have seen before in previous iterations. And she's snacking down on Harry. And then, of course, very similar to the original film, that uh, Karen uh, grabs a trout and stabs Helen to death with it. Mm. And then we go back upstairs where the zombies come into the house. And then we finally see Johnny as a zombie. Adam freaks out and the zombies swarm on Adam. Adam calls for help. Ben tries to help him, but they become overpowered. And then he loses the shotgun in the process. And then he heads downstairs. Now, uh, Basti, what did you think of this section of the film with how everything is escalated and now with the zombies now starting to take over the Mm. house? Yeah, I thought it was... um pretty well done for the most part um we've sort of had like those tensions raised and the stakes are pretty high now and you know we've seen people you know get killed and whatnot again it's the interactions between you know old man and his wife that I think are the strongest parts and again it is always that tragic moment for uh, like I guess Barbara slash Adam to see Johnny so it was good to see that part in there I think um One of the things that, and I don't necessarily blame anybody who was involved in it, I think it's just, it's very hard to do this as a, as an artist, as a creative person, is to cut down your own work. I think some parts just took a bit long to get going or dragged out a little bit. And I think, you know, if maybe 10 minutes or so were cut here and there, I think the film would have gotten a bit tighter. And I think it's a little bit more noticeable towards this end part because it has escalated so much, but there are just some lingering moments. And I understand it can be very hard to understand what to edit out, what to keep in. So I'm not saying that's a a bad thing. How dare they? Any of that, I am saying I completely understand. It is more a constructive type of criticism. And uh, Tib, your thoughts so far on this section of the film? I will agree 100% with uh, Marcy on what she just said. This is the part I was kind of alluding to before about Harry and his Mm -hmm. demise. I like how they did it with Helen being the one to take him down. I just wish they went the further mile. So instead of – because he kind of walks off. And I think it would have been more effective if the zombies came in at that time and kind of did like a Captain Rhodes – to him or something like that from Day of the Dead and just tore him apart. I I think that would have been – because he was such a despicable character. You just want to see him get it bad. In saying that, the part where Helen's being stabbed with the trowel, ouch, that would suck. Oh, Being stabbed with a knife would be bad, but that thing there – that would be yeah. horrible, man. When that was happening, like, I, I completely forgot that happened in the original as well. But, yeah, that part there, I was like, oh, man, what a way to go out. Um, this is probably the part where, in my opinion, the best makeup work is done, and that's where Helen breaks her leg, and you see that oh, yeah. compound fracture. Mm. That looked pretty decent, especially with yeah. the budget they had going for it. Oh, yeah. I, I had to applaud them for that. So, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that looked very painful that yeah (laughs) it looked convincing as well and Mm. um and also when once ben goes downstairs and locks up the cellar that's when uh helen comes back actually before that like i forgot to mention this before um before the zombies kind of descend upon adam and ben 
uh, Karen goes upstairs, and this is cool kind of shot where you kind of see Karen in silhouette through the kitchen door, and then that's where she turns and walks towards him. And then, of course, uh, Ben blows <laughs> Karen's head away, which I thought was a really kind of cool little uh, shot there. But to but further to kind of go back to what I was saying before, so. Helen is now a zombie, and I love the fact that when she does become a zombie, you get to see basically she's trying to get up on her feet because of her compound fracture. Mm. She's kind of like yeah. a little like that, and also a bit of blood and stuff like that kind of oozes out of her. So Ben, since he doesn't have the shotgun, has to use a hammer. So he grabs a hammer, kills her, and then, of course, kills Harry. But then we kind of get a bit of a tragic scene, and during dur- this would have happened during the scuffle with the two of them. Ben looks down and discovers that he's been bitten on the hand, and then of course he uh, breaks down. And surprisingly, that is the last time we mm. see Ben in yeah. the story. I feel like that's kind of a tragic moment because he knows his fate is sealed. Mm. We know what's going to happen, so and it's a very um, like this last part is quite bleak. Um, oh yeah, there's it, it kind of just reiterates this point. Like in some kind of situation like this, there's really no winners at all. So I, I applaud them for going for a non-happy ending, much like the original, but maybe taking it that step further, which you'll get to momentarily. Momentarily. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, your thoughts on uh, Ben's fate tip. I'm I'm agreeing with you guys. There's a little part of me that kind of wishes we saw more of Ben. I, I wish mm. we got. I wish it wasn't just that mm. hand. He realizes his hand. I, maybe look. I, I could be completely wrong, but maybe if we saw him after mm. after the the ending with um with the character of Adam, maybe if we saw him turn into a zombie. I don't know. I just mm. kind of left feeling empty without yeah. seeing what really happened to Ben, even though we know what's going to happen to Ben. I just wanted to see it. Yeah. Mm. And I think, um, I, and I'll get to this very in momentarily with uh, a little bit that I think which, like you say, Tim could have been a perfect moment to kind of see that. So, um, we go outside and we realize Adam is still alive. We thought, mm. Oh, with the zombies <laughs> swab the pot him, like he would have been dead easily, but no, he's still very much alive. And Johnny's on top of him. Possibly trying to bite him and also in the process of shielding uh, Adam from the other zombies. So Adam manages to grab a drill that was left outside earlier in the film and drills it into his brother. Drops for the drill. (laughs) Exactly. And then, of course, he manages to grab the keys out of Johnny, runs back to the cemetery, gets into the car, drives off with zombies and everything on top of it, and then a little while later, we go the next morning and we find Adam awake, waking up in the car. And he sees that the zombies coming towards the car. So he gets out of leaves and then he starts to wander the countryside. And as he does that, he sort of looks over to one of the fields and sees a zombie in the distance coming towards him. And I will say this, and I agree with you on this, Tim, like... I think that scene in particular would have been perfect for us to see Ben now as mm. a zombie. See when he sees that zombie in the field, and that way, yeah, that, yeah. Mm. like it would have been a good kind of little. I get. I mean, I like the way how it happened worked in this film, but I could definitely see adding that more closure mm. if he was that zombie. Mm. But um, 
So anyways, a little bit later, he's walking down a road and stumbling across. He sees another zombie. And then he hears a shot ring out. That zombie drops dead. And then, of course, uh, Port Adam, he gets shot in the head by a bunch of rednecks. They sort of check his pockets to see if he has anything. And then they sort of just load. They sort of pick him up and load him into their truck. And, of course, these uh, rednecks are basically kind of talk, um, shit talk amongst themselves, saying, like, oh, let's kind of basically kind of betting to see how many zombies we can kill <laughs> today. Like, it's definitely, again, a different change. So instead of Ben being the one getting killed at the end from the shotgun blast by mm. uh, a militia, it's actually the character of Adam. But So I'm kind of curious to see how... I could definitely see what Roger Connors was going for with this mm. uh, change with the ending. But the question is, though, was it as effective as it has been done in other pre- previous iterations? So, Marcy, your thoughts on the ending of this film? I don't think you could match the original ending mm. um, with Ben and that shocking moment. Um, I do appreciate that uh, they went for something a bit different, um, and I like that. Um, you know, bits of originality when you're trying to rework a story that's been told um, is very much appreciated. I think that's a very strong point for remake or retelling. So I appreciate that they did that. I'm just not sure it hit quite the same but you know I'm all for um changes that make sense and I think seeing as we've been on this journey with Adam the whole time like it makes sense uh for me and uh Tim your thoughts on the ending of this film I agree with Marcy I uh I don't think this compares to the original and I don't think anything ever will Mm. I think Bede you were spot on man if 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 Adam saw Ben out in the field as a zombie, I think it would have been a much more impactful ending. Or even, maybe I'm stretching here again, but even if it was the one that, like, Ben killed Adam, because mm. Ben's been protecting him the whole time, the ending is Adam, oh, yeah. uh, Ben being the mm. one to kill Adam. I think that would have been more impactful. In saying that, I, I don't dislike this ending at all. In fact, I was I was waiting for it. I was sitting there watching it with my wife, and I was saying, oh, where are the rednecks? Where are they coming? I thought this was the part that we're going to go back to Ben and see oh, yeah. Ben being shot. So I was shocked when Adam got the bullet. i got to say, did you notice the um, the effects for the bullet wound in the back of his head? Not the front, the back of Adam's head. Mm. How yeah. it was opened up and mm. well done. That looked mm. great. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a good bullet wound because, of course, you got the small one yeah. at the front of his head, but mm. then you got the big, massive blowback at the back of the head, which is something, yeah. you know, bullets would do. And it's very, most of the time when you watch some movies, it's basically like a clean shot through, but mm. bullets, they can do that much damage. And yeah, I think they did, the makeup artists mm. on this film did a good yeah. job with creating a very realistic looking bullet injury. Exactly. Um, I will just have to ask one thing. Maybe I missed something, but why did, after Adam was sleeping in his car, why did he leave his car? I'm assuming, and if I, well, I, it's never really quite explained, but I'm assuming probably, because he's out in the middle of some kind of quarry or something like that, so I'm assuming he either just drove all night and the gas went out, like he, the petrol ran out, or, mm, yeah. the, or the car just died. That's what I'm assuming. Um, yeah. Like, it's kind of a little, yeah, a little something. I think that's probably what it was, if I had to guess, but, I mean, it could be anything, but... Yeah, I think that's kind of my, the assumption I had while I was watching 
that scene. Mm. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if I missed something where he yeah. checked his fuel tank or something. and mm. But I don't know. Oh. When he got out of his car, I'm like, what are you doing? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Although I think what's interesting about this film, because in previous versions of this story, particularly with the original film, it's kind of always ambiguous of what kind of starts the zombie outbreak. Like in the original film, it's possibly it might be radiation from a satellite or something else. And I was kind of like watching this film because they don't really dive into what that is, because I was kind of even making the assumption maybe it has something to do why their eyes glow mm. in this film. And the only thing that I found, like I wrote this down in my notes so I wouldn't forget, is that earlier that morning around 3.30 a.m., mm. there was uh, power outages uh, that happened. So I'm assuming, or at least what the film is assuming, the zombies might have had something to do with that, with uh, electricity yeah. and power, hence why their eyes glow. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought maybe that could have been some kind of explanation, but I think it was there purposely left vague because the point of a story like this isn't how did they become zombies. It's okay, there's a new threat right now that we have to deal with, but it doesn't matter what threats are thrown at you. You still have to deal with other people in your own survival. So mm. I, I feel like that's probably a, a pretty good reason to keep it vague because it's not a focus. Yeah. But, yeah, having those sort of TV background scenes, um, I actually really liked as well, kind of giving us little hints, but we don't need to know too much at the same time. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. <clears throat> I guess that could be a wrap on this discussion on the film Rebirth. And uh, Tim, what are your final thoughts on this film? Well, after talking to you guys, I I think I appreciate this movie much more than I did when I came out of it. Um, I just want to add something quickly. I watched a YouTube review on this movie, and the guy kind of broke down this movie similar to how we just did just now, Mm -hmm. and he had pretty much the same kind of thoughts except he did uh have the same thoughts as me with the character of adam and i checked the youtube comment section you know how that's just a gold mine of great things mm-hmm. and i came across something pretty interesting actually the guy who played adam the director actually commented it and kind of gave his feedback to the review and a little explanation with the character of adam so i just wanted to read what he wrote there if that's okay Hmm. yeah sure he said he said we wrote adam to be a flamboyant and feminine mostly mostly to counter cooper's hateful mentality and give him reason to target adam as part of the problem over the top as it may be we wanted the opposite of the savini approach of the softer straight edge character that turns butch we wanted to knowledge acknowledge i'm guessing that not everyone is going to respond well during trauma and annoying as it as it can seem the outcome may be the outcome may be we did want to reflect that aspect in his character it was more just a take on the judith od performance and her loss of control more than anything with that being said some appreciate it while many do not which i totally understand I assure you it was a ballsy move and I naturally have the run of a seven-year-old girl, so that doesn't play my favour much, does it? So that was a... I I do appreciate that he took the time to comment on this guy's review and kind of give us a reason as to why they wrote the character this way. Kudos to that guy. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, I can definitely see what you mean. Like, it's definitely Roger Cotter's performance can definitely be one that people either respond to or they don't. Mm. But I think for most part, like, I think it did work for me. But I could definitely see after reading that his comment, it definitely, like, definitely adds a lot more texture to the character, like, and how he's portrayed in the film. And I think overall, like, I think it worked for me for sure. And, uh, and also what he was tr- going for in regards to his approach with the story. Mm. But, um, but other than that though, Tim, uh, what <laughs> other final thoughts you have on this film? I think for a low budget film, especially with a budget of $12,000, which is crazy to think. Um, I think this did things pretty decently. I haven't seen besides the Tom Savini remake i haven't seen any other remakes of the night of the living dead i've heard you Beeb speak about them a lot um but i would like to compare this to other remakes and see where i where i put this where i rank it Mm -hmm. but i think this this does some things decently and if this director was going to put something else out i'd be keen to see what more he could do for sure for sure and um and it's interesting because like I was, I've said this before in previous episodes and in a way kind of a, a response to what you were saying before, Tim, is like having done so many different takes on Night of the Living Dead, like most people will probably kind of scoff and kind of push these films to the side. But as somebody who has kind of dive into every single one of them, I think a lot of them, even if they're not good, have something about them that at least makes them a little different. Because so far, every single one that I've talked about for this show has at least kind of done something different with the story Mm. whether it's something small or major so it's not like it's very rare to kind of see one that's a flat out shot for shot line for line remake like every single one has been different in their own way like yeah some of them keep some of the fundamentals of the original but they do add something different with each of their uh takes but uh marcy your final thoughts on rebirth yeah, uh, I just want to touch on something. So I was looking at a few written reviews after I, I saw the film, and I saw one on Letterbox that stuck out to me, and it just, oh, God. When people talk like this, I, I, I yeah. Basically, in, in, in the review of this film, which they gave one star, I might add, it goes, whoa, it's like Romero, but woke. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God. mate, have you fucking seen the Romero version? Like, <laughs> this this was a film that, you know, had a person of colour in a main lead role in a time where you barely saw that, let alone in an independent film. And the message of this film, and you're trying to say Romero wasn't so-called woke, and then the review continues to say how it's woke because we have a a gay lead and the Harold character was extremely bigoted and all this. And I'm I'm like way to just like miss the point of the original as well as points of this film, just because it's not all white, straight men, old men in your movie does not fucking make it woke. Just going to say that. Um, Bede, I already told you to expect me to have that little yeah. rant. <laughs> well, I expected you to, and now that having heard that review, it's like, clearly this person has never seen any of Romero's films, or if they have, completely and fundamentally misunderstand yeah. his work. Yeah, 
very much so. Um, but with that out of the way, <laughs> yes. Um, shitty opinions aside, yeah. Overall, I think it is a very well done, you know, small independent film that, um, you know, the the genuineness behind it behind it I think shines through a lot. There was a I feel like there was a lot of passion to be able to tell this story but in a slightly different way um, and perhaps updating it a little bit for more present time. So I definitely appreciate a lot um, about it and what you know what was what was achieved as well. I think it's a very solid film and I would give it I mean I would give it three zombie dicks out of five. <laughs> well, this is not a very, this is definitely not, this is not a rating show, but I will allow that just for the zombie dicks. <laughs> but I just uh, wanted, I just wanted to be like, it gets three zombie dicks out of five. Just let, let me have that. <laughs> okay. I, I will allow it. I will allow it. And I think uh, Tim agrees with me on that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for zombie dicks. Yes. Or zom- zombie assholes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for my final thoughts on the film, um, I think it's a pretty solid little indie remake overall. I've covered quite a few for this show so far. And for me, this is probably one of the better ones that I have seen. Like you say, Marcy, you can definitely tell that this film wasn't made for any kind of cynical mm. purposes. Like there's definitely a lot of passion behind this one. And also to kind of, and that's the great thing about Night and Living Dead is that it's it, the story and the core of it can be updated easily for today. Hmm. And I think uh, Roger Connors, as a as a writer and director, done a pretty solid job updating hmm. the story for now by adding a lot more to, you know, with some of the themes in it, like expo- not just exploring racism, but also homophobia and misogyny and a few other hmm. things as well. Yeah, the acting's a bit of a mixed bag, but I think for the most part, everyone does pretty hmm. well. And on a filmmaking level, it's pretty well done. Like, the cinematography is pretty solid, especially Mm. for a film with a budget like this. And, yeah, I just found it quite a compelling little remake of Mm. Night of the Living Dead. So it definitely gets big kudos from me. We'll move right along to our next part of the show. And it's a little segment I haven't done for a few episodes. And I'm bringing it back since all three of us are Aussie, so we have to talk about this. And that, of course, is my little segment, The Living Dead Unreleased. Now, if you've forgotten what this little segment is, The Living Dead Unreleased is a segment in which I dive into versions of Night of the Living Dead that have either never got made or have but never been released. So I've already covered quite a few for this show so far. So for this one, I'm going to ask you guys the question. Did you guys know that there was an Australian remake of Night of the Living Dead? No. No. (laughs) And now you do. um, Now I do. Yes. (laughs) But yes, there was an Australian remake of Night of the Living Dead. However, though, don't even think about going to try find this film. You never will, because there's a pretty interesting story behind it, because uh, it is Night of the Living Dead, which is a shot-for-shot remake that was actually done by a theatre company called the Cooma Little Theatre, which, of course, is a little from the town of Cooma in New South Wales, Australia. So originally, and this is the interesting sort of backstory on this film, 
this film actually started off to be a play, but then during the process of making the play, everyone who was involved in the theater company decided, oh, why don't we actually make a film of Night of the Living Dead? So they did. They started working on this film all the way back in 2011, sort of worked on it on and off for a little while. And there's even a trailer, hence what I said to you guys earlier. And then it went quiet for a while. And the main reason was for that is uh, the director of the film, uh, David Unwin, actually passed away in 2014. So five years later, some of the people who were involved with the film decided to complete it and show the film at the theater. Now, based on the information that I have read, the film played at the Kuma Theater on Friday the 13th in September 2019, almost 10 years after this, it started, after when it started being worked on. And the film has only ever been shown once at that theater and has never been seen since. Like they haven't, based on my knowledge, it hasn't been screened anywhere else or it's been released online or anything like that. So yeah, it's only ever been shown once, but there is a trailer for it and as well other goodies for it if you look on YouTube. But uh, but based on the trailer itself, Marcy, what did you think of this Australian remake of Night of the Living Dead, or at least based on the trailer? Hmm. Just based on the trailer, which is only a couple of minutes, I so when I went to watch it, I had completely forgot it was Australian at first. So I was caught off guard when I heard the Australian accents for the first like few seconds, and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, right, it's Australian. And actually, I was quite impressed. Like I thought the trailer looked really, really solid. Like I would sit down and and watch this. I think it, it looked like there was um, a lot of passion and hard work behind it. And obviously, I don't, I don't know the backstory. I'm not sure why it was never shown or if it was ever intended to be shown more than the once that it ended up being. Um, but yeah, it looked like a pretty solid uh, work. And uh, I think the trailer was very good. It definitely uh, is one that could catch interest. Indeed. And uh, Tim, your thoughts on the trailer for the Australian Night of the Living Dead? I'm um, I'm definitely down for an Aussie Night of the Living Dead film. I mean, one of my favourite zombie movies is um, Wormwood. And if you don't know what that movie is, it's basically an Australian zombie film. So I think that this would be fun. Uh, I think us Aussies would would find it amusing and and fun to get behind i'm um i'm shocked to hear that this is this was a thing and i wonder why it never actually got shown more than once it's Mm. interesting to me yeah i guess um like marcy said like i think it's basically they just wanted to because like i said it started off originally going to be a actual play production and then eventually Mm. it morphed into a film so i think they always Probably, yeah, they had intentions to kind of only show the film once, once it was completed. And plus that it, since it took, since they started work on it in 2011 and didn't release it till 2019. And of course, but the original director passed away in between. So I guess the, it was kind of something that, you know, they wanted to complete it, get it done, and then only show it to the people who were, I'm assuming, who were involved with or the people who were interested in watching it. And then I guess that's it. But I have to say, though, like the trailer itself, and I like the fact that it, it's very clear that this Aussie remake was shot in black and white, so it captures the feel of the original. And it kind of does, it, it does look pretty shot for shot, but I would be very curious to, to watch it 
as well. So, I mean, if the film does still exist out there, so if anyone from the Kuma Little Theatre is out there and you're listening to this podcast, if anyone does have a copy of this film, please send it to me because I would love to watch and talk about it for the show because I think it'd be interesting kind of seeing an Aussie interpretation of Night of the Living Dead. But that being said, though, <laughs> as a, as all three of us Aussies, I think it only makes sense that if this film, I mean, if it's a, pretty much just a shot-for-shot remake of Night of the Living Dead, it needs to have more Aussie flavour to it. So it needs to have tinnies, it needs to have, like, uh, <laughs> it needs to have characters just saying cunt all the time. And, uh, <laughs> Oi, I mean, the there's zombies. a cunt zombie over there. If the zombies just walk around just saying cunt, cunt, yeah. instead of, uh, that would be great. Or, or even just, like, one of them is like, Oi, you dead cunt. <laughs> Oi, there's dead cunts over there. <laughs> And I like the fact that if you went for a sip, your your uh, your drink, team, you almost did a spit take when I said that. <laughs> now I've just got a visual of that happening. And, all, and also, you know, like, uh, you guys see, you know the the, the Lucio Fulci film, Zombie, where there's a scene where uh, a zombie fights a shark? There should be a scene yeah. where a zombie fights a crocodile. Or a kangaroo. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That would would be amazing. I'm so upset this isn't a thing. See, um, I know the Wormwood filmmakers are making a third Wormwood film. They should actually take some of these ideas and put it into (laughs) the film. Because I want to see a zombie fight a kangaroo, damn it. And also call a zombie a a, a zombie a dead cunt. (laughs) Or have a zombie bite a kangaroo. The The kangaroo turns into a zombie and then the zombie rides in the kangaroo's pouch. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. It's like a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger type thing. Yes. Yes. I am, down, I am down for this. I am down for this idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'd love to see, like I said, I'd love to see this, you know, mm. the Kumi Little Theatre's take on this film. So, like I said, I'm definitely very open to watch the film as somebody from the theatre company still has this film and would like to send it to me because I would love to talk about it on the show and like i said i want to see an aussie what the aussies do with this particular story but uh but for our listeners out there i will put the trailer to this film in the show notes for the show so you can check it out Mm. there but uh yeah i guess that could be a wrap on this episode of beat versus the living dead and thank you both marcy and tim for coming on the show and talking about both the film rebirth and as well as the trailer for me you're welcome with me sorry thank you for having us yes indeed indeed mate uh because <laughs> we're gonna have aussies on this this is an all aussie show today so <laughs> g'day zombie what's going on <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious if that was in uh aussie night of the living dead so we might have to do that but anyways though um <laughs> but before we wrap up the show tonight uh marcy where could people find you on the internet this week all right, can't you can find me now? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me at supermarcy.com. It is the home for the Super Network where Bede and I host a bunch of other podcasts that you can go check out. If you want more links related to the Super Network, check out our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash super network. And if you want to check out all things After Dark, my very own podcast, 
you can check that out at that's own link tree, which is linktr.ee slash afterdark network. And if you want to find me on the web, I'm generally just under Super Marcy. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Letterboxd, all the good stuff. And uh, yeah, you could probably just find our podcast on your podcast players of choice. Indeed. And I know that because you and I host a lot of shows on the uh, on the Super Network. So we have a bunch of shows coming up. But I know you got a really interesting sounding episode of your other po- your solo podcast after dark coming up marcy would you like to tell anyone about that or at least like by the time this show drops this episode of yours would have already been out there yes well by the time this episode drops uh you can check out the latest episode of after dark with super marcy an adults only podcast where my guest and i have a massive discussion on Lolita talking about the original novel as well as the two film adaptations. Nice. Nice. I'm looking forward to uh, listening to that episode as well. And uh, Tim, where can people find you on the internet this week? Uh, You can find me on my podcast, Dummies of Horror. We are an Australian horror film podcast where we basically put films together to make them fight. Films, directors, movie characters, all different stuff. Uh, as I said earlier in this episode, our last episode was werewolf battles. Um, and the next upcoming one is going to be the worst horror film ever. We're going to oh. decide which one. I haven't picked the films yet, but I, I feel like Birdemic is going to be one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. All that good stuff. Just find us on Dummies of Horror. Nice, nice. But I can guarantee, and maybe this is since I've known you for so long, Tim, I, I have a feeling that uh, Jaws the Revenge will not be on that worst movies list. That is a cinematic masterpiece, and I'll have you say nothing else. <laughs> I, I really, I really want to say something. Go I ahead. I'm, I'm, I, used, I'm used to me, it. It's me, Michael Caine, and I did Jaws the Revenge, that brilliant <laughs> cinematic masterpiece and it got me my summer home in italy Thank oh, you. Ho- oh hello michael k i did not expect you to be on my show i, I expected you to be on the two tuesdays podcast but not on this podcast <laughs> i like to show up every show often yes indeed um so, but uh yeah i guess uh for me if people want to find me on, on the internet you can find me at my twitter official twitter page at twitter.com slash bjamine and of course you can find me at my letterboxd account at letterboxd.com slash bjamine and of course you can find all my work and as well as all the podcasts that i co-host with super marcy over at the super network and of course you can follow the official twitter account of bead versus the living dead at twitter.com slash bead vstld and as well you can listen to this show on all podcast streaming services everywhere uh please leave a rating and review as well and if you do i will read the review on the show unless it's a negative review then uh probably not going to do that but anyways though um (laughs) but uh yeah so thank you so much to everyone to for listening to this episode of beat versus the living dead i hope you guys all enjoyed it and keep a lookout in two weeks time for episode 15 in which i will cover the film that basically inspired me to create this show and that of course is the 2001 animated remake, yes, another one, of Night of the Living Dead with Night of the Animated Dead. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you all later. See everyone. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Feed vs. The Living Dead. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Keep up on all updates of the show on the official Twitter account at FeedVSTLD. The music for this show was brought to you by Denno. See you next time, everyone. Goodbye.